0: It's time for Monday Night Sports Talk on News Talk 1400 WDWS Champaign-Urbana, featuring the News Gazette and media sports writers Matt Daniels, Bob Osmussen, and Scott Ritchie, delivering the latest insights on the Illini and more. Join the program by calling 217-356-9397 or send a text to the Castle Heating and Cooling Text Line, 217 351 5357. Now, here are the News Gazette media sports writers and your host, Steve Kelly.
1: Hey, good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to Monday Night Sports Talk with you until 6 o'clock this evening here on News Talk 1400 WDWS, Champaign, Urbana. It's 511, 80 degrees, and uh, getting warmer as the week moves on. Phone line is open three five six nine three nine seven. Matt Daniels, the sports editor of the uh, News Gazette, is here with us. Scott Ritchie, as well, and Bob Osmussen will join us in just a moment on the telephone. As always, here on Monday Night Sports Talk, uh, another sports show with not a lot of sports to talk about, but uh, there's a lot going on in uh, this uh, year of 2020 as we move into the month of June. That uh, when you think you've seen most of of everything other stuff comes along Matthew
2: yeah it's been uh, it's been a it's been a week uh, you know ever since we sat in here last two weeks ago since we were off on on Memorial Day so much has happened uh, in the world and uh, you know I think we're all still each individual person is trying to come to grips with everything that that's going on and and what we're seeing on TV and and what Scott uh, you know saw this afternoon uh, down at the, the Champaign County Courthouse in Urbana and goes to show you too that basketball writers can cover news cuz Scott did that this afternoon with a, a Facebook live video that uh, I think had 90,000 reaches and it's only been up for a couple hours uh, based on the the peaceful protests that took place uh, in Urbana. Uh yeah, it, it just uh you know, everything that's gone on these last, you know, 11 weeks. Um no one I think anticipated any of this happening at all first with COVID-19 and the pandemic and then sports getting canceled and obviously the you know the senseless killing of of George Floyd last Monday a week ago in in Minneapolis which has triggered all these these protests across the country and you know we saw it come to our our backyard here in Champaign uh, over the weekend and and again today so it's just uh it's a trying time for our country you know it's one that you know I think you know when I talk to my parents you know they always bring up kind of the late 60s and 1968 and, and all the unrest that was going on in that particular year. And, you know, when my kids are older someday, um, you know, I'll be able to unfortunately tell them about all the crazy and messed up events of, of 2020 so far.
1: Of course, I'm the veteran on this uh, <laughs> this particular panel, but I remember the, the, the mid-60s certainly very vividly, 1970, Kent mm-hmm. State University. Mm-hmm. I was still living in Ohio at that time. and But uh, that didn't um, – I mean, it was bad. It didn't seem to hit as close to home as this uh, situation with the with the virus and what's happened in the last uh, few days, the last less than a, almost exactly a week, I guess, since the um, Minneapolis situation. It's uh, you just look at things differently. Scott, as you, uh, as Matt mentioned, you were out in Urbana this afternoon. Any idea what the? Uh, it's kind of hard to judge the size of a crowd in something like that.
0: Yeah, and I don't think I'm good at that either. <laughs> right, but. I mean, just standing at one end of Broadway, looking back towards you know back towards uh, the courthouse, the street was entirely full, and that I mean that's several blocks away. So I, thousands, mm-hmm. maybe thousands, plural, yeah. Yeah, showed up. And uh, at the very beginning, they said it was important to keep it peaceful, and they did, you know, for for the entirety of that. So that, that was important. Um, yeah. It, did they go? It, it,
1: they go from the courthouse down towards what is known as Five Points? Yeah. And and then what happened? They
0: from there they went, I guess it was back south on Vine uh, towards the Urbana City building. Okay. And that was kind of where, I won't say it ended because you know, a portion of the group continued to march through campus, but mm-hmm. that was kind of where the, the main organized march ended. Um, just they had a few more speakers at, at that point um, to kind of discuss the issues and again at the end told everyone to peacefully disperse as well and yeah it was you know an opportunity for people to you know either get their voice heard or support you know their fellow community members and it was done peacefully and if what happened today in urbana and i'm not sure if they ever actually technically made it to champagne but at least in urbana Hopefully it will overshadow some of what happened last night, which was, uh, you know,
2: you never looters wanna, you and never rioters, wanna, yeah. they're
0: trying to co-op the message.
2: Yeah, you never want to see what what, what transpired at uh, Marketplace Mall in, in Champaign and then carried over to, to several businesses uh, on, on prospect in, in Champaign. And, uh, you know, I thought what today's event in Urbana, uh, the way the organizers had it uh, set up and, and the peacefulness that was all about, and, and they have every right to to protest. Um, but what transpired uh, Sunday afternoon into Sunday evening in Champaign uh, should never happen, and uh, hopefully that it does not uh, happen in, anymore in, in the future at all.
1: Bob Osmussen with us on the telephone. Mr. Osmussen, how are you?
3: I'm great. Thanks, guys. How are you guys doing?
1: We're hanging in there. Tell us uh, what you've been up to. What's new with you? We haven't seen you in a while. We talk to you every week, uh, pretty much. And uh, what's the latest with you?
3: I've not been looting or rioting or protesting. I'm okay with two of those three. Protesting is fine. Writing, you know, I'm only good with one of those three. I'm sorry. And I've been basically at home. I had a minor surgery last Thursday, and I'm getting better. Great doctors in St. Louis and here, so... Luckily, I'm fine, and everyone in the paper has been really supportive, which I always appreciate, but I've just been writing. I'm back writing today,
1: so a lot of fun. So you got out of the house, uh, and by going to a medical facility, did you have to be tested for the virus?
3: I did. I'm actually, yeah, I did. I was tested. I'm good. I'm clean. So... Shockingly, I was clean since I haven't been outside for too long. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, the, only, the only way I could have gotten the virus is if Murphy brought it home. That's your the dog. Home. Other than that, it was good. So, yeah, I, it was nice to know. I knew anyway, and, uh, but it was, it was nice to know that, that I'm okay. Talk, so it's, uh, everything's good.
1: Talk a little bit about the process. If somebody hasn't been tested, none of us have, no, I don't think. I so uh, is, is there anything that uh, you'd like to say about the process of getting tested?
3: Well, yeah, I'm, I'm going to talk about this tomorrow and Penny too. It's not as bad as I was worried about. So, actually, that's probably good. So, if people think it's, it's going to be like your nose knocked out or ripped out or something. It's really the nurse that did it in Carl was so good and so fast. It was like not even worth worrying about. So, in hindsight, I built myself up with this horrible, awful experience, and it was not that bad. So, basically, I'd say, if you need the test, get the test, and don't worry about that. That part will be over in seconds. You'll be fine. It's an uncomfortable, uncomfortable for a short time, but it's worth it because then you have a little peace of mind, even for a day. But you can have a long peace of mind if you avoid people. So,
1: our phone line is open three five six nine three nine seven. We'll continue to try to talk about uh, sports. We've we've. I guess we'll kind of pat ourselves on the back, uh, Matt. And over the last two months, out of necessity, we've had to kind of figure out ways to talk about sports when there's no sports going on. There are some matters to talk about: the Major League Baseball athletes coming back to campuses. We'll mm-hmm. do that as we move along, but uh, we've had to be kind of creative, haven't we?
2: Yeah, we have, and um, you know, we, we, we're you know, I'm reminded uh, after uh, my conversation with Georgie uh last week, the popular Illinois men's forward. Uh, He said in you know he's a human being and i think that's lost a lot of times not only uh with with athletes but everyone around they've got so much going on in their lives and um you know i think again the situations in this country the last week or so have have been ugly and and they're not going to look good in in the history books with all the the violence that has gone on and uh the looting and and rioting and, and everything like that um but the pandemic has, you know, forced us all to kind of adapt and, and alter, uh, you know, and, and get used to what life is like. And, uh, you know, and talking to Georgie too, he's not sure exactly what those workouts are going to look like in Champaign, uh, when they do get involved with it, he has stayed as active as he possibly can. Uh, he's doing some pushups and sit-ups and even joked that he's still doing his handstands in, in the grass and he gets, gets around and, and runs a little bit and, um, Everyone's in the same boat, though, so it's going to, whenever they do resume workouts and things start to get back to kind of how they were pre-pandemic, maybe, in terms of practices and eventually games, you're going to see a drop-off maybe at the beginning, but I think we're all going to be so overjoyed to see live sports again that it won't matter uh, You know, if a basketball player misses short on a, a jump shot or anything like that. 5.20
1: 5.20 is the time, Monday Night Sports Talk. Bob, a guy that uh, that you and I got to know back in the uh, late 90s, early, early 2000s, Jose Lewis, who was on the uh, Illinois football coaching staff. It was sad to see that he passed away over the weekend at the uh, much too young age of 57. He had been battling cancer. But uh, a guy that coached on Ron Turner's staff from 1997 to 2002, and uh, certainly sad to hear about that.
3: Oh yeah, really good guy. I got along with him really well. I saw his family. He, his his wife was around a lot, and they had young kids when he was here. And O.C. He went on to different stops along the way. And really, really good guy. Really fun, a funny person that uh, always had a you know, big smile on his face and really pleasant. And I think he really was a really good coach. Obviously, you're not getting continued continue to get hired by school after school and program after program. Let you know what you're doing. So he knew what he was doing. I had heard about his uh, situation the last couple of years. I knew he'd been sick. I know he did a really good job to try to get back. And, uh, yeah, my heart goes out, out to his family. Also, the whole white family. I heard from Matt Sinclair today, who got really close to Jose later in life. And uh, Matt was really bummed out by the whole thing, obviously. And had been talking to him lately. And, and uh, he said Jose was really helpful when Matt has... And his own issues, so that was I thought that was really nice. I think O.C. touched other people beyond just the guys at his position. So I think a lot of people at a close to him. I'm sure Ron Turner is hurt by this, and a lot of the all the other coaches who worked with O.C. during the time. O.C. Yeah. Lewis
1: played at uh, Oregon State as a player, and then uh, coached not only here, but he was most recently on the staff at Vanderbilt as a defensive uh, analyst, a defensive uh, staff member there for the uh, Vanderbilt Commodores. 522, we'll take a break. We'll keep the phone lines open. Three five We've got other things to talk about. We'll talk about uh, the Illinois football and basketball student-athletes uh, getting set to uh, come back to town here in the next uh, few days. If that hasn't been adjusted at all, we'll kind of keep uh, an eye on that as well. I know some of the guys are here. We had Alex Pelcheski Saturday morning on the show and and he's back in town from the football team. So we'll do that. And if you'd like to join us, feel free to give us a call. This is Monday Night Sports Talk on DWS in Champaign-Urbana. Monday Night Sports Talk rolls on here on DWS with Matt Daniels, Scott Ritchie, Bob Osmussen. I'm Steve Kelly. We're with you until 6 o'clock this evening, Three five six nine three nine seven. Here's the telephone number, if you'd like to jump in. Before the break, we were talking about uh, this was uh, supposed to be the week that uh, some Illinois athletes started uh, coming back, football and men's basketball players. And uh, Scott Ritchie is here with the latest. And uh, some of these events may have pushed that back a little bit for some. Some guys, as I mentioned already, uh, are back. But uh, anybody that's in the process of maybe starting to come back on June 3rd might find it pushed back a little bit.
0: Yeah, and... Well, that was kind of the initial date given. That was never, like, a rock-solid starting point. And uh, while kind of the university as a whole, some people were supposed to start returning to work on campus today, that was pushed back because of the events of last night. Uh, From an athletic standpoint, um, athletes probably won't start coming back to campus until next week, and that was more based on – just making sure they had enough tests and you know the ability to process enough tests to bring all those athletes back because they will be tested as soon as they hit Champagne. So the the plan in place wasn't maybe totally you know ready to be executed um, on a, a maybe a bigger scale. So uh, everything just kind of gets you know delayed a, a few days at least.
1: I can't imagine the details <laughs> in in something like this. You, you know, there's the old saying the devil's in the details or whatever that is, but can you imagine all the different scenarios that uh, they've got to have a plan for? And you you don't, I mean, there are probably scenarios they haven't thought of yet.
0: Yeah. When uh, at Marshall, you know, athletes, some athletes had started to return to campus um, just in the last few days. And they had uh, at least first report was two student athletes and one staff member that tested positive. All of them were asymptomatic for the coronavirus, but, That's going to happen at Illinois. Like some of these guys are probably going to have it if they're symptomatic or not. But that's why everyone's being tested when they get here, and then also, um, even if they don't test positive, are being. You know, quarantine in a
2: dorm. Yeah. For
0: a, a and if they do have time. it, you'll be quarantined away from everybody else.
2: Yeah. It's, uh, you know, uncharted territory. And uh, I'm sure we've said that thousands of times in the last uh, three months or so. But yeah, the the details that they have to work out. Uh, you know, I talked to uh, Kent Brown briefly, the uh, U of I sports and longtime U of I sports information director. And he said, on I talked to him on Friday before. Everything kind of transpired this weekend with with uh, the protests ramping up across the country, but um, he said he had a three hour call Friday morning, just kind of going over everything that was going to be in place because like you said steve there there's so many details it 's not just as simple as say you know Kofi Coburn, who was home in in New York, just getting on a plane and and traveling back to Champaign and then driving up to oven and start working out there there's all sorts of protocols and procedures that they're going to have to to follow and uh, you know it's really no surprise that uh, there's going to be bumps in the road as it moves along because no one's ever done anything like this before and um, it's going to be very interesting once they once they do get inside Ubbin at some point how those workouts take place what the players are going to be able to do it's not going to be like any summer that they've ever had uh, both in basketball and And football, and then those two sports are kind of the test cases for what's to come in July uh, with volleyball, soccer, and women's basketball athletes hopefully getting the chance to come back here. And, you know, as Scott wrote in in last week's paper, uh, a multitude of stories on just this this topic, the return of the athletes really is voluntary. And I think that's something that Josh Whitman has really tried to emphasize throughout all this, that if there are athletes that don't feel comfortable coming back and are uncertain of, how things are, uh, that's okay. And that's something that he has to emphasize to his coaches too because as we've in the past, I've always kind of joked, oh, voluntary workouts are not really voluntary. You kind of need to be there. Kind of the peer pressure not only from the coaching staff but also the your teammates and everything, you, you just kind of expect to be there at all. So it's going to be, uh, you know, June's already off to a crazy start. So uh, we'll have to see how the rest of the month unfolds.
1: Jump in here, Bob. You've been uh, working on football stories. I read with interest your, uh, your work uh, over the weekend, yesterday's paper. Uh, you had Illinois going off to a 6-0 and start, but the uh, second half of that schedule is a whole lot tougher.
2: What he's not going to say, though, and I'm joking when I say this, Bob, but he initially had him, I think, at 11-1 or so, but I kind of made some tweaks and made it more, more realistic, <laughs> not Bob. <sure> at all. <laughs> <laughs> not
3: even. No, I'm, I'm joking. Bob
2: anything. did have them at 7-5. and 5.
3: Right. Seven five and I really thought about eight and four, actually. I probably would have given them one more game, maybe Iowa or maybe Minnesota, but I just couldn't do it. I think they're going to have a really good run to start, be six and no. And then the, I think their schedule is not so much the team as the schedule. Now that doesn't mean they can't go six and zero and then go four and two the rest of the way. That, that's possible, but it's not as likely given the, the back of the half of the schedule. It was so hard. I think if they could mix in a Purdue later on, a Rikers later on, midway through the second half of the season, it would really help them. But unfortunately, they can't change anything. Unless they do what Matt said, do the old double round robin, the Big Ten West. That might work better for a little But right now, I think they're going to have some issues. And part of the problem is the Big, Big Ten West is really going to be good. Wisconsin is going to be good. Minnesota is going to be good. And then Illinois, across the way, plays. Oh, they also Iowa. They also could play Indiana over there, and that's gonna be hard too. So their schedule is just not a great schedule for them. And Ohio State's coming here, so it's gonna be hard to win more than seven games. But never, never say never.
1: Well, for Illinois to start out six and zero, they're gonna win a couple on the road at the beginning of Big Ten season, including one in Nebraska. That uh, certainly you got to figure that uh, Nebraska. Will be uh, better, and it's kind of a key year for Scott Frost and his team. But uh, on the road in uh, Lincoln, uh, it's been a hundred years since—not <laughs> quite, but 24,
3: almost. 24, since, the, yeah, the The Red Red was on the team.
1: Bob, I
2: did you, uh, Bob, did you upset any of your relatives with that pick? Do you have? Do you? Not? I
3: haven't heard anything yet. Okay. It, it, they, they don't always read the paper. <laughs> I, I'm not even worried about it because I'll tell you, I have a pretty good explanation for the game. Obviously, when Illinois goes to Lincoln and there's 90,000 people there uh, screaming their whole lungs out for the whole game, that's a hard place to play. When they go this year in October, early October, it might be the first game, I don't think there'll be anybody there. So there's nobody there. That stadium is a lot less intimidating with zero people in the stands as opposed to 90,000. That's really a big part of why I picked that game like I did. I think if fans are back, and, they, and they're going to have a question about whether or not Nebraska continues can can this streak. Uh, they've had sellouts for 50 years plus, 50 plus years. But I think if they don't have fans in there, that place is not going to be nearly as hard to play there. I was,
1: I was thinking uh, the other day about some of these games. If there are no fans, would be like a spring game maybe, or if there's a, a limited spring. number of fans. Yeah. But not a spring game at Nebraska <laughs> or Ohio State no, or some of those. No. but.
3: Regular, right? But a scrimmage, yeah, like a scrimmage. And again, I think they I think the lack of crowd in some of these buildings will help Illinois a lot of places. I think Indiana, that place has become a better stadium to play games at. I think in Nebraska, no question, will be easier. I think the Rutgers, yeah, again, Illinois has done well there over the last couple of years, so I think they can go there and win that game. So Wisconsin, again. Boy, can you imagine going to a game there without jump around? I guess we can still j- do jump around, just nobody, the place won't shake. So that'll be interesting, <laughs> too. But that's a, Wisconsin is tons easier without the crowd there. So, again, the only schedule, albeit hard, is not nearly as hard without fans.
1: And uh, certainly, uh, Scott, it takes away any, or not every, but certainly some of what is known as the home field advantage wherever you go how that affects the guys i don't know that how much they they really know about the fans on a last minute kick to win a game obviously the the fans are a factor there but uh, it, it'll be different as a player too
0: yeah and the team has some experience of say playing in memorial stadium without fans because you know just the scrimmages they have um that no one's invited to <laughs> unfortunately uh but uh Nate Hobbs kind of talked about this last uh, last week was just last week last last Wednesday I I can I mean it's all the same it's all it's all good Scott uh, it's but it's different Kendrick Green kind of talked about the Jake Hansen the same like there are times when they feed off of some energy from the the stands and if that's not there or if it's 30% of of what they're used to I mean that could be different and Illinois plays an eleven o'clock game on a Saturday in November, and no, bo- I mean, quote unquote, nobody's there. Like, the the team itself is going to have to figure out a way to, you know, provide their own energy and you know be motivated enough, and you know maybe not you know have that extra energy to feed off. So it just it'll be different. Everything is going to be different.
2: Maybe you see a beardless Lovey Smith get fired up more.
1: You think that beard had a factor on? his fired up level <laughs> no, <laughs> no not, not at all it's going to be interesting he is and, crazy. and and, and he like is you crazy. like
2: you said Scott and uh, I had the chance to talk to Kendrick Green a couple of weeks ago before you know, he was on that that Zoom call with a bunch of media last week and I brought up the fact to him what it's going to be like and this was well, two and a half three weeks ago what it was going to be like if there were no fans in the stands and and he kind of had to take a moment to think about it and said, man, that's going to be really weird. And and like you said, Steve, he he mentioned the fact that it would just be like a scrimmage uh, because he said the fans do bring that extra level of energy and and the players do feed off of what the crowd is doing. And um, that is one aspect that if the college football season kicks off on time in about three months or so without fans, they're going to have to get adjusted to. And then it's going to be weird watching it at first, but we'll all get adjusted like we've adapted throughout these times.
1: It's also, Bob, going to be weird watching it around the country just to see how different it might be in certain parts of the country. And there may be places where, where the place is full. There may mm-hmm. be places where it's half full. There may be places where there's nine or 10,000 people there. It's, uh, nobody knows.
3: Nobody knows, and I think 10,000 Alabama fans can be pretty loud. So I think there's going to be, if they allow fans the stands, I think the Big Ten is going to be pretty limited there. But I think in the SEC area where they're going to be more inclined to do that based on how the states are ruling right now, I think you'll see a different atmosphere, and those games will be harder. I think the Big Ten won't be as hard to be on the road. So the SEC might not get it. And that kind of changes the dynamic of the season because it's not going to be a level playing field for everybody. Some schools are going to have uh, less fans to deal with, less crowd to deal with, and others are going to have big crowds to deal with. So it kind of changes. So I I think that gives, in some ways, gives the Big Ten the advantage. Otherwise, it gives gives the SEC and maybe the Big Twelve an advantage. We'll we'll, we'll see how it plays out. Let's. I'm just for let's just have football for God's sake. <laughs> I just want I want the game as long as as long as it's safe with players and fans. Players and I'm sorry, players and the media, particularly the media, and the coaches and staff. I want I want them to play, but if not if there's danger. But if there's no danger or little danger, let let's play the games, see how it goes, and then we'll look forward to the day 2021. I'm praying that we have full everything again. There'll be some sort of cure. There'll be some sort of some sort of uh, vaccine. We'll all be, at, be able to go back to normal. And we'll all go, wow, that was weird. Like, uh, wishing we would have some sort of way to blanket out of our minds.
1: Think about this. If you've got, uh, say, you could have a third of a stadium or, or, or even less, say, a quarter of a stadium in some of these stadiums, that might be ten or 15, 20,000 people. But if you've got that many people or no fans allowed in in Columbus or Ann Arbor or mm-hmm. Athens, Georgia or mm-hmm. Tuscaloosa, Tuscaloosa or whatever, can you imagine how many hundreds of thousands of fans might be just right outside the stadium?
2: Yeah, exactly. And um you know, we're we're kind of seeing that a little bit with with NASCAR uh having resumed a couple of weeks ago where there are no fans in in the stands right now, but there are people that do make the drive and kind of just sit outside the the venue and um do what NASCAR fans do, but anyway, college football that that is a good point too and um it, it's there's so much just weirdness going on in the country right now so much on strange times i mean things we've never seen before in, in our lifetimes with the the pandemic and then add on the fact with you know the the protests that are going on right now uh but if there aren't Fans, like you said, Steve, if you can't get into Memorial Stadium, how are they? What are they going to do in terms of tailgating? Can they still tailgate before the games? And if so, are they going to have to socially distance? I'd imagine they would. Then again, like what? How do you? This goes. Sports is such a copycat. I guess you see what happens at the professional level, it trickles down to the college level, and it trickles down to the high school level, then the youth level, things like that. You know, I was talking to a local high school administrator about a week ago, and uh, they mentioned the fact that if they do have school in the fall and they have sporting events go on, but fans aren't allowed there, a certain number of fans, how do they control that? And it's different than I would imagine for a football game at Illinois where they've got staffing and security in place to ensure that people do not go into Memorial Stadium. But if there's a high school football game going on on Friday night, say – Centennial Central, Champagne Central playing each other at Tommy Stewart Field. How do you, how do you make sure people don't go into the game? I mean, these are all questions we don't have answers for right now. And if sports does happen this fall as scheduled, these are all going to have to be answered at some point before, you know, the games and the events start.
1: Well, a lot of high school stadiums, you can stand along the fence mm-hmm. and look into the stadium. Yeah. Uh, do you have to do the yeah. social distancing <laughs> there or – how do you...
2: Yeah, you know, I, I wrote about uh, this past Sunday, I wrote about a, a Jalen Powell. She's just graduated uh, at Unity. She plays softball, and she plays on a, a summer travel softball team based out of Peoria, and, and they're scheduled to have tournaments coming up here in, in June uh, out of state, and they've got restrictions on, she said, as far as the games go, that if there's bleachers like right behind home plate, people can't sit there, but the parents can spread out down the, the foul lines or watch behind the fence, but they have to kind of maintain proper social distancing. in in that regards, it's all just basically you're, the people are going to have to police themselves in, in terms of making sure that they're following the, the protocols that are in place at that given time uh, due to what the situation is like health situation is, is like at that current time.
0: That's not going to happen. No, I'll, I know. I'll just go ahead. <laughs> and, I'll be the one to say it that uh, just as general human beings, we, we can't
2: do that. Well, and then you think too, if Memorial stadium does is able to have fans, but it's, limited amount say it's 20 percent of capacity that's what roughly 12,000 people that could go into memorial stadium you would imagine they'd have to be spaced out then so how do you make sure that because a big part of going to sporting events is going with friends and family and experiencing the whole atmosphere and sitting next to someone and talking about the game and if you're sitting six feet apart from them on the bleachers at memorial stadium i don't
3: know i got this one
2: Okay, Bob. Here, here's I got there. You. you go. That's why I served it up for you.
3: I got this. Well, you sit as families. Right now, my family, we're together. We eat dinner together. We're not socially distancing mm-hmm. because we don't know none of us is positive. So, we're positive people, but not we're not positive with the <laughs> coronavirus. So, I think what you do is you you allow people that know each other. So, uh, let maybe a family or two that have been hanging out the last month or two. Let them go to the game, sit together, but then they're separated from the next group. So it becomes kind of like, kind of like a little, bunch of little amoebas in the stadiums, and they will, will have to be careful. I promise also steal a distance from everyone because I don't want this thing based on what Bruce Schwartz told me. So I, but I think people will be smart about it, but I think within the family group, so Matt, if you took. Your nine kids over there. You wow! Wow, together. Bob. Three. Uh, I'm sorry. Thank you. Three. It's
2: okay. It seems like an add-on. It's all right, Jim.
3: But if you took, you took, you took, Nora and three kids over there. I think you guys would all be welcome to sit together. And maybe if your mom was there, or your mom, or dad was there, or you know mother-in-law that have been around together, you all know you're good. I think that's fine. I think that's how sports will work for a year. For this year, that's what we're going to have to do. And that's okay.
1: We'll talk more about that. We'll talk about Major League Baseball. There have been some uh, proposals going back and forth, uh, not met very well on either end with the proposal and counterproposal. That and more coming up on Monday Night Sports Talk. If you'd like to join us, three five six nine three nine seven is the number. We're back with more after this. Stay with us. 549 Monday Night Sports Talk with you until 6 o'clock here on DWS. Steve Kelly, along with Matt Daniels, Scott Ritchie, Bob Osmussen. If you'd like to join us, 356-9397. Mr. Osmussen, I understand you talked to um, a Hall of Famer here recently, Simeon Rice. How did that go?
3: It was great. Uh, Him and I have known each other a long time, and he he gave me 40 I texted him and said, you got time to talk. He said, I got time. So we talked for, I figured it would be 10 minutes. It was 40. And he... Did a lot of very, very interesting things about this whole situation. Uh, he told me a lot of stories about him personally, his experiences over the years, and it was different, a lot of freshman people. A lot of the things were not great, as you can imagine. And Simon mean, is such a, a cool, as he likes to use the word, chill guy. It's really good to get his perspective. He's very involved, it sounds like, in trying to do something about this. He said he's contacted uh, district attorneys and lawyers and whatever he can do to kind of make a difference so I, I think it's really good and I think people will be inter- interested to read what he has to say
1: uh, again
3: a great player here a great player as Illinois and obviously in the NFL for 12 years so a future Hall of Famer I think I think college and pro football Hall of Fame eventually for both both of those and I think he's he was really really interesting
1: and that uh, that story will appear tomorrow. Is that correct?
3: Yes, that's what. Well, uh, oh.
1: <laughs> <laughs> the sports <laughs> editor said yes.
3: That's all
2: right, Bob. I,
3: w- I just talked about and said it. Of, yeah, no, yeah.
2: It, it, it was. Uh, you know, I encourage everyone to read Bob's column off of what uh, Simeon Rice told him because there's some very uh, harrowing tales that he's had to endure and experience in his life, and it is really sad that he probably only had to endear all of that because he's a black man and that is unspeakable and horrific that he's had to go through this and it's not just it dates back to his Bob uh, you can read more in, in detail in, in Tuesday's paper but it starts from when he was a teenager in in Ch- Chicago suburbs he and his cousin had an incident and then uh, throughout his pro career happened to him when he was out in Arizona and also when he was in Beverly Hills uh, as well, so that just kind of shows you that uh it's it's a very unfortunate and ongoing problem in this country that it needs to be rectified and it needs to be resolved sooner uh rather than later but uh yeah we've kind of got some uh comprehensive coverage just kind of in, in tuesday 's paper how uh, you know the sports world is is kind of responding to the, the local sports communities how how it 's kind of responding to all the unrest right now that that 's going on Bob's Collins one of them Scott has kind of gotten – kind of done like a roundup uh, from a variety of Illinois coaches and athletes who have kind of made their presences known on social media Uh, and also Colin Likas our preps coordinator uh, talked to several um, black coaches black athletes in the area and uh, we're going to run kind of a story a day I think for the next week or so just on on their experiences as as being black uh, individuals and and what it's like for them uh, dealing with with life in America today.
1: A lot of coaches have. Go ahead, Bob.
3: Well, I was going to ask you: Did you guys see Kevin Warren's thing you just sent out about uh, uh, no? The, uh, big, the Big Ten just sent out a. Uh, I feel we need. The, I feel we need the breaking.
2: Open. We need the breaking news alert, Bob.
3: I can't do this. Can't do that anymore. That my voice. There you go. Yeah, you could. You do it for me. Kevin Warren just sent a letter about. Basically saying this, can't, what happened that cannot be in vain. So he said there's, they're going to start a committee within the Big Ten. He's also donating some money of his own, and it's really really comes across as impactful. Yeah, I, I, I just got really
2: the I just got the email, Bob. Yeah, it's uh, an open letter from from Big Ten Commissioner Kevin right. Warren. It's really good. Uh and, You know, he's obviously got ties to Minneapolis right. uh, with his time really uh, uh, with, right. with the Vikings. Uh, you know, before he became Big Ten Commissioner earlier this year, and yeah, he's got some really good stuff uh in here and, and like you said, one of those uh, one of his sentences is George Floyd's death cannot be in vain and he's made the decision to create the Big Ten Conference Anti Hate and Anti Racism Coalition and invite student athletes, coaches, athletic directors, chancellors, presidents, and others to join him. So there you go.
3: I'm gonna volunteer for that. Good Bob. Scott I don't think uh, a why but I'll
1: buy that. a lot of coaches have stepped up and uh, tweeted uh, their thoughts about things, including Brad Underwood, who did that uh, a day or so ago. And um, I think it's good to, to hear from people like that in times like this. And uh, hopefully it does some good.
0: Yeah. And then, you know, I would assume he was on uh big 10 network with Dave Repson uh, earlier right this afternoon. We came on the yeah. show. Yeah. Um, just talked for a few minutes and you know, he this was kind of the a similar theme with a lot of the different coaches that have posted something but understands that he has a platform as a um visible athlete and in ios case a visible black athlete that you know he kind of sees a responsibility to speak up uh, about not only this issue but to continue to do so um to you know make events like this uh just so maybe so they don't happen anymore um so that's uh it's kind of been the general theme, and you know, with Brad Underwood is because he coaches right. uh, a number of young, you know, black men that you know he felt necessary to to speak up on the matter. So, and I mean that's that's a positive. I mean, I think the more faces you can put on this that people know, that people. I mean, I always said you know he knows he has, you know, people look up to him, not just kids, but you know, just all my fans in general. So that maybe people will listen when when the message comes from. From kind of that viewpoint,
1: got about four minutes left on uh, Monday Night Sports Talk. It's a key week, uh, Matt, for Major League Baseball. Let's
2: hope they don't mess it up.
1: They got to f- figure something out. Uh, I would say this week to uh, to get anything going by the first of July, and they don't appear to be very close.
2: Yeah, it's uh, you know, I was eight when the the strike in nineteen ninety four happened, and I didn't really under- understand all the decisions that went into what affected that, but I do remember the animosity that people had in this country when baseball did resume in in 1995 and how it really took Mark McGuire and and Sammy Sosa in their home run chase of 98 to get a lot of fans back in the game and obviously this is different times and different circumstances but baseball if the health situation allows it has an opportunity to really kind of grab hold of the narrative and put a positive spin on their sport right now and it seems that they don't want to Negotiate, and they don't want to come to a common agreement with the owners and the players. And it seems like who knows if the season's going to happen. I know the the uh, one proposal was for 114 game season, and then the players came back. I think uh, Jeff Passan from ESPN reported in the last hour that there's a proposal for a 50 game season that would start in in July and end in early October. Because uh, one of the proposals for the 114 game, I think it would start like June 30th and end in late October. But I guess owners didn't like that because they were fearing for another uh, spike in the coronavirus, and they didn't want to r- run up into the NFL and things like that. So,
1: At what point, guys, Exactly, would you say 50 games or let's just bag it?
2: Yeah, I don't know. That, that might 50 be.
1: games is not – you know, what do you think, Bob?
3: I want them to play right now. <laughs> <laughs> I, I get that, I'm but, so but uh, there's got to be a cutoff be, point. So Fifty fifty is not enough. They got to play half the season. I love ninety five, by the way, Matt, because the Braves won the World Series that year. But <laughs> I, I think fifty is not enough. Half the season be fine. Start playing. We, we need the game back. These guys put them in a room and tell them you're not leaving the room until you come up with a, your brains in check and get this thing you figured out. Your the country is going to hate you if you don't play baseball. Okay, we're going to hate you. And Matt's right. Not, after ninety four, people were mad for a long time, and some still are.
1: There are a lot of people that, yeah, uh, you know, a lot of people that gave up on baseball didn't go back.
3: Yeah. Well, and right.
1: it, and they we, need, yeah, go
3: ahead, Scott.
0: Well, I was just gonna say you know, if you know the owners and players can't come to an agreement this year and they do come back in twenty twenty one, moratorium on PED testing. We gotta have somebody hit seventy home runs again, <laughs> just to wow. to bring the people
1: back. <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, who do you in, in this kind of situation? Who do you get as a fan, not as a sports editor mm-hmm. or a sports reporter or a sports announcer or whatever? Who do you get most mad at? The billionaires or the millionaires? Because the billionaire owners. Both. Yeah, you you have to. Yeah, yeah it's, it's
2: it's insane, and I talked about this last week, I think, on on Sports Talk. But the fact that forty million people in this country have filed for unemployment in the last three months and. Major League Baseball players who make millions aren't going to play because they want their share of the money. That That is not right, and, and it should not be happening.
1: This is not the time for that. Uh,
2: the, music's, yeah. the music's the cue. we got to go.
1: I know. No, I meant this is not the time for players to have that kind oh, of Oh, no, not at all. It,
2: it's, it's completely selfish, and, and you don't need that, especially in, in this time in history right now.
1: Well, having baseball back with all that said would be good for... The psyche I think of the country but there's so many more important things going right now that uh, need to be figured out ahead of that Scott Ritchie, Matt Daniels, Bob Osmussen yours truly Steve Kelly, we appreciate you listening, Bob we'll talk to you again next week if not before, thanks for uh, popping on with us on WDWS Champagne Urbana, have a good night everybody